helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Welcome to another episode of the Life Transformation Show. Today's show is titled, The Truth About Soul Ties. And why am I doing a show about soul tie today? Well, over the years, we have had many requests to do a show on this topic, but we just never got around to it. But the latest uh, email that we received from a listener by the name of Margie made me realize that it is about time that I did this show. Margie wrote, Michael, I have been hearing a lot about soul ties lately, but can't seem to find anything about it in the Bible. I read plenty about it online. I am wondering if I am suffering from a soul tie as I can't develop a deep connection to my husband. I am wondering if you could do a show on the topic. So Marjorie, I hope you're listening today because today's show is especially for you, but also for others who have heard about this topic and want to learn more about this topic. And maybe for others who have never heard about the subject of soul tie, we will be explaining what it is as we go through this show today. The podcast today will explore biblical text and the scientific explanations that support the idea of soul ties. But we will also be discussing some of the theological and practical difficulties with the soul tie doctrine as it is practiced in some faith communities. So, what is soul ties? Soltai is a term that is used to refer to the belief that when a person has sex with someone else, their soul becomes tied to that other person. Some Some proponents of this doctrine teach that when you engage sexually with someone else, God creates a spiritual tie with the other person that is difficult to break. According to to the belief, when a person has sex with multiple partners, their soul becomes fragmented. In other words, there are parts of their soul that are tied to several individuals. Youth group leaders have used this doctrine in many churches to drive home the importance of abstaining from sex before marriage. Some deliverance ministries teach that to break the ties, a person must confess the name of each person they have slept with to someone else and say a special prayer naming each sexual partner to break the soul tie. Bible verses such as James 5.16 is quoted to justify this need for confession. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So let's start by looking at the first section of of this podcast today, the arguments in favor of soul tie. Yes, there are some biblical basis for the belief. 
1 Corinthians 6 verse 15 to 20 reads as follows. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scripture says, the two are united in to one but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So there we have a portion of that scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and it talks about becoming one body, that someone who sleeps with a prostitute becomes one body with the prostitute. And so this is this is a scripture that is often used to 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 justify the existence of a soul tie. But there are other scriptures in Genesis where it talks about a man leaving his mother and father and cleaving to his wife and the two becoming one flesh. That term of one flesh is used to signify that there is a bond. There's a very deep bond that is created in a sexual relationship when 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 that action of of sexual intimacy takes place so there is some biblical grounds for it uh the the idea of soul tie is also a powerful means by which individuals can deal with their unresolved emotional baggage of the past. So, for example, someone who has had uh, multiple sexual partners but can't seem to move on into their into into a relationship with their husband, such as Margie, our listener, uh, having uh, a soul tie ritual performed where. The, the, the tie to other persons are confessed and a prayer is prayed. Breaking that tie can be very powerful. And I've seen it used in retreats. We have used it as our, at our retreat as well. And we have seen where people, as, people have had great breakthroughs as a result of this form of public confession. The next point is that there is also scientific evidence that to some degree supports soul tie. An article uh, by Harvard University, the Graduate School of, of Health and Science, they published an article called Love Actually, The Science Behind Lust, Attraction, and Companionship, in which they explain what goes on in the brain when we have a romantic relationship with someone else. And the article explains that love is like a drug. And it explains that when we are in love with someone else, it boosts our levels of oxytocin, oxytocin also known as the love hormone, which helps us bonds with others. So what they're saying, this neurochemical oxytocin, when we are in love with someone, it bonds us to that person. So that idea of being tied to that person 
is partly supported by this neurochemical expl- explanation. But there are other chemicals involved in lovemaking as well, such as testosterone and estrogen. And these hormones drive sexual desire. So when you have a sexual desire for someone, there's an extra secretion of these hormones that cause you to be drawn to that person. And then there is dopamine, another neurochemical, that, and, and dopamine is the, the, the pleasure chemical. It's, it, it's the reward pathway, pathway of the brain. So dopamine is produced when we engage in activities that bring pleasure. So if you're in love with someone, you're bonding with them through oxytocin. Your sex drive creates other chemicals such as neurochemicals such as testosterone and estrogen which creates sexual desires for that person and dopamine gives you the sense of pleasure and you are rewarded with with a dosage of dopamine every time you see that person that's why it feels so good when you're in love with someone and you see them you can't wait to see them again especially in the early stages of a relationship because that that secretion of dopamine feels very good and then there is serotonin that that deals with mood that is also secreted and that feeling of being in a good mood around people that you are in love with that is what makes us drawn to that person so these neurochemicals are what makes us drawn to that person and this cocktail of neurochemicals become a very potent drug and so when you are sexually involved it's with someone, that bond becomes so strong that it can be as if you are addicted to that person. So this article that I referred to earlier on uh, by Harvard University also says that the same regions of the brain light up when we are feeling attraction also lights up when drug addicts take cocaine. So in the same way that people become addicted to cocaine, you can become addicted to another person so that even long after the relationship is broken up, you still feel a strong desire for that person. So that is why some people, for example, they follow the social media of the person that they have been broken up with for 10 years ago. They have married, they have long moved on, but they still find themselves searching the social media pages of the person that they were with 10 years ago. It's as if searching those pages is giving them another sniff of that that good feeling, that feeling of of being in love that they had 10 years ago and they just can't let it go. And viewing the social media page of this person give them a sense of that feeling again. So these are some of the reasons that could justify the existence of soul ties. But now let us look at the second part of this 
this podcast, which is the difficulties with the soul tie doctrine. So that scripture that we quoted earlier again, earlier on in this podcast, at the beginning of the podcast, from 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15 to 20, let us now take a closer look at that scripture and see what are some of the difficulties with it. That scripture talks about the body. There is nothing there in the scripture that talks about the soul of the person being tied to someone else. So I'll read the first verse again in that scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15 to 20. And the first verse says, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute. So Paul is not saying that your soul is tied to the person. Paul is talking about the body. And there are several references to the body in that scripture. He goes on to say, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. So that scripture does not talk about soul ties. It talks about the body. But the the, the scripture that is also used in Genesis 2.24 that talks about a man leaving his father and mother and being joined to his wife and becoming one flesh also doesn't talk about the soul. It is talking about the body, the flesh. So this idea that there is some connection that is made in the spiritual realm, I'm not saying that there is not a connection, but all I'm saying is that the scriptures that are used for it is not of, of they are not very strong scriptures that could be used to argue argue conclusively that a soul tie exists. And I'm not saying it doesn't, but I'm just saying these scriptures in themselves does not do not prove the existence of soul tie. So let's take the scripture that we referred to earlier on in current. What we know about current is that current was a place where sexual promiscuity was rampant. Rampant. It was a Gentile church in a culture where having multiple partner was looked on as something that is noble and could be respected. As a matter of fact, in one of the letters to Corinthians, Paul talks about a man in the church who was having sex with his mother-in-law and people in the church were looking up to this person and boasting about this person. So this is the level of of sexual promiscuity and depravity in current. And so if a person's soul could be tied to multiple people, then indeed Paul would have instructed the church in Corinth how to deal with it. But what we find instead is that there is no no scripture that is used in current where Paul even alludes to the possibility of there being a soul tie with anyone else. So that's a problem that we have with the biblical basis for soul tie. There's nothing in the Bible that specifically 
talks about soul tie or mention the term soul tie. Another difficulty that we have with soul tie, soul ties, is that what happens if a person cannot recall the names of the persons that they have slept with. So, in the beginning, we say that the, the soul tie doctrine, as it is used in many church circles, require the person who think they have a soul tie to write a list of the names of persons they have slept with and to publicly or with or in the presence of someone else, it can be one person, denounce the names of each person individually. What if the person cannot recall the names of the of people that they have slept with? For example, if a person was drunk when they engaged in sexual activities and they can't remember the name of the person, how then are they going to be able to quote the name of the person as they renounce that name. And I'm not saying that the doctrine itself does not provide for that, because if a person cannot remember the name, then they can just say a generic, I denounce all people I have slept with. So therefore, if that generic denunciation can be effective where names can't be remembered, couldn't there be just a generic denunciation of all people that you have slept with as well without naming each one individually? And just throwing that question out there. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services has been speaking on the topic, The Truth About Soul Ties. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com or by calling 1-877-544-3546 where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Back to Michael. And then the, the other the other difficulty too with 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 this recalling names is that some people have slept with so many people that they they can't remember the names of everyone that they have slept with. And so these are some of the, the difficulties with the soul tie way it is practiced in some churches where there, people are required to name each person individually. Now, let us look at the, the same uh, chemical reactions that we speak of, we, we spoke of under the other point uh, when we talk about the there being chemical there being a chemical explanation of soul tie well what we know is that it is possible to develop that kind of tie to someone else even if you haven't had sex with the person so remember we talk about those bonding hormones such as oxytocin and we talk about the feel good hormones of dopamine and serotonin and those other hormones that we talked about when we looked at the scientific basis for a soul tie. Well, let us consider this case, this example, this case study of uh, this person by the name of Cheryl, not her real name, and John is not the real person's name either, but I'm using these two names uh, just as an example. So, uh, Cheryl was madly in love with John, who was part of her youth group. The two were 
the same age and they dated from age 18 to 21 and had plans to get married. It was the first relationship for both Cheryl and John. Despite the strong sexual attraction that they add to each other, now that's where you have testosterone and estrogen, the strong sexual attraction, the two never engaged in any sexual activity. Both committed to waiting until marriage. Both were so in love that they they longed for Friday nights when they could see each other at the youth group and and go out in go out in a group with other friends. So that's the dopamine, the pleasure reward center of the brain. They're looking forward to to this reward of seeing each other so they can spend good time together. So even though they are not having sex with each other, their minds would still be producing the, the, the same neurochemicals. As they, so as they spend more and more time with each other, the loved bond between them would become stronger and stronger. And so this is where we would have the forming of oxytocin, the love hormone, the bonding hormone. So even though these, this couple is not having sex, they are still developing a strong sexual desire for each other. And there's nothing wrong with sexual desire just in case some of you out there are saying yes, but they're sitting in their thoughts. No, if two persons are in love with each other, it is very normal and natural to have sexual desire, desires. And God created it that way. So it's not a sin. It's just a natural part of being drawn to another person. So, so as they spend more and more time with each other, they're developing this, this bond, this oxytocin, the love bond. But then there's a shift in their relationship. Three months before her 21st birthday, John proposed to her in front of her friends and family, and Cheryl joyfully accepted. It was then that John began to change, that the shift that I was referring to. He became more and more distant and eventually broke off the engagement with Cheryl, telling her that he was not sure she was the right one for him. She was understandably devastated and found it very hard to get over John. So a soul tie was formed in that situation, even though the couple never engaged in sex. And it was a very strong soul tie to the extent that 15 years later, Cheryl was in therapy to deal with her broken heart. Despite being happily married, she, despite being happily married, she found herself checking John's social media page to see how he was doing in life. So she's married, but she's still sniffing out the this this dosage of the high that she was on when she was with John. And so she's she's following him in his in his social media page to see what's happening in his life. And also when, when Cheryl would have a conflict with her husband, she would think of the blissful times she had with John and fantasizes about what it would be like to marry if she had married John. 
So this is the same phenomenon that we see in people who have soul ties with people that they have had sex with. So even though John and Cheryl never under, never engaged in sexual activities, she still developed a soul tie with him. This attachment to, to John makes sense from a brain chemistry perspective, as she is having the same kind of urges that past addicts have when they experience bumps on the road of life. They think of the drug that gave them a high, and they, they think of the drug in, 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 the ter- in, in, in the sense of wanting an escape from their current problems. So even though Cheryl never acted on her urges on her urge to contact John, she always fantasized about it about him when things were not going well in her in her life. This is her brain yearning for the flood of neurochemicals that she came to associate with feeling happy. So that's one of the the the, the drawbacks of the soul tie doctrine because it talks about sexual intimacy but it's possible to have this even if you have committed no sin at all as in the case of Cheryl. So the fifth point under this heading with the difficulties with soul tie is that it can cause a spiritual roadblock for many especially for women. So remember we talk about the doctrine requires people to give the names of people who they have slept with. I can see some men that they would just be willing to, you know, almost as a badge of honor naming the hundred person that they have slept with and being very proud in a secretive way of naming them. But for a woman, it can be something very embarrassing for, for a woman to do. And, and this, this can pr- present a roadblocks for, for a roadblock for a woman to get healing if she feels she has to confess the names of everyone she has slept with. And another barrier to, 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 with this doctrine is that there is not a lot, a high trust level in many churches. So if you can find someone to trust or you feel someone, or you feel that people in the church is going to judge you if you tell who you have slept with, the number of people you have slept with, it is very unlikely that you are going to make that confession. And people who hold back from making that confession can feel as if they are stuck. So I have seen people who have come in to see me to make the confession in my office because they feel like they have to make this confession to someone, but they can't make it to people in their church. So that that those are some of the difficulties with the doctrine. So in concluding, I would say we should be careful not to make the doctrine of soul tie an absolute doctrine. We should not make it compulsory for people to pray that prayer in order to feel that they can be set free from their past. However, there is therapeutic value in the prayer that is prayed over people who have these ties. And I've seen many people who have been set free from it. And as I said, we have used it in our retreat as well. Yes, there is benefit in confessing in front of others, as James asked us to in the book of James, in the Bible, to confess our sins one to another. However, we should keep in mind that some people will not be comfortable sharing their sex life with people in their congregation. As a result, they can feel spiritually stuck if 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 
the soul type prayer is presented as a must. Surely our God can hear the prayer to break soul ties even if it is prayed in solitude. And yes, he will forgive you even if you can't remember all the names. Thank you for being with us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. We want to remind you that we are a professional counseling organization that provides professional counseling at low cost for those who cannot afford it. And we want to also ask for your support in asking your donation. You can donate through our website at elimcounselingministry.com. We also have resources that you can benefit from on our YouTube channel where we have over 200 podcasts. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and to keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. Mm-hmm.